0: Número this free
1: to Springbrook Community Church. We are so honored and delighted to have you with us on this Resurrection Sunday. Thank you for being here to celebrate our risen Lord with us today. If you're joining us online, a special welcome to you from wherever the Lord has you today. We encourage you to participate in the chat this morning, to talk to our online hosts. They would love to pray with you, to encourage you, and to connect you to this community and what the Lord is doing here. Well, our call to worship today comes from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 6. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white, as snow and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men but the angel said to the women do not be afraid for i know that you seek jesus who was crucified he is not here for he has risen just as he said 13 says that in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Jesus' body broken and his blood poured out, covered over every sin, every mistake, every wrong decision and bad habit you will ever have. And the great news that we get to celebrate today is that Jesus is alive, sin is is defeated, and death is undone. So if you feel far away today, far from God, far from hope, maybe far from the person that you were created to be in Christ, I have good news for you. You can be brought near right now, today, in this place, by the blood of Jesus.
0: to
2: good morning. Happy Easter. We are so glad uh, that you are with us this morning. If this is your first time with us uh, this morning, we want to extend a special welcome to you. If you're watching with us online, there's a place for you to fill out an online connection card. Uh, There's some online hosts available for you to answer any questions. Uh, I'll pray with you online, uh, so be sure to engage with them there. If you're in person with us this morning, you've got that connection card that's on your chair, and so I want to invite everybody to take that out. Uh, there 's a place for you to share any information uh, that you 'd like to share we 'd love the opportunity to connect with you uh, for you just to let us know that you were with us this morning there 's a place for you to share any prayer requests that you might have as well, and then uh, you can drop those off in the back on the way out this morning. But we are so glad that you are with us this morning. Hey, we have an opportunity for you if you are new to springbrook and you 're looking for an opportunity to connect with some other ladies uh, ladies we have a women 's gathering coming up uh, that 's going to be on april thirtieth it 's going to be right here at springbrook they 're going to have a guest speaker we're have a great time of worship. It's a good opportunity to meet some other ladies uh, here at Springbrook, and then we've got a board game night coming up, and that's coming up on uh, April the 23rd uh, from 4 to 8 p.m., so guys get together. It's actually guys and gals, and so it's a big mix of people, different ages, uh, playing board games all night, so if you want to know more information about that, please visit our website. We've got some great small groups uh, for you to get connected to. We love Sunday mornings. We love the opportunity to come together and to worship and encourage one another, Um, But we really like relationships. Relationships are important to us in Springbrook. And so if we can help you uh, get connected, please let us know um, how we can do that. In fact, if you want to text Springbrook app to 77977, uh, you'll have an app that drops on your device and uh, has everything that you need to know about Springbrook and how to get connected here. And so please let us know if you uh, have any questions uh, about that. I'm so grateful for God's provision for our ministry. And so thank you for those Uh, that are supporting uh, the work of this ministry. Thank you for your generosity. Um, It's enabling us to reach our community, to serve our community and our church. Uh, We're a part of a movement of churches. We're going to see, we're on track right now to see 300 churches planted in the United States over five years, and so we're on track for that. Um, We are part of a conference of churches that is supporting uh, missionaries uh, globally right now. So we have missionaries, and I have friends Uh, That are in Russia and Ukraine right now. And they are in the midst of this conflict. And both sides, from a Christian perspective, are trying to figure out how to minister to their communities in the midst of this turmoil. And so not everybody is uh, celebrating Easter like we are. I got a text from another friend of mine this morning that asked me to pray for him because he was going up into the mountains of uh, Nepal right now where they face persecution for sharing their faith. And so people are celebrating Easter all over the world right now. And it looks differently than what we're celebrating here today. In fact, I got another video from a gentleman that just started a brand new church in Tanzania. Let's watch this video together. part of this local church. church in Tanzania. Isn't that great? (laughs) And they're celebrating Easter just like we are here in, uh, in our community. And so I just want to thank you for your generosity that enables us to be a part of what God's doing around the globe. Easter changes everything. People all around the world right now are celebrating Easter today just like we are. And you know why? One word, Jesus. Jesus changed everything. we've been in a series uh, over Holy Week through the book of Hebrews. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to the book of Hebrews. We've got some out at the guest center if you want to pick one up, or you can just listen along with me. As I read from the book of Hebrews, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the irradiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as his name has inherited is much more uh, important and excellent than theirs. And so this passage in Hebrews has been guiding our time together. These four verses that we looked at this morning really answered the question about who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? What has he done? And where is he? You know, the who is Jesus is, you know, he is God. He is God and that's how he speaks to us. And so, and and he's made purifications for sins. That's what he's done. And right now he is seated seated at the right hand of the Father. And so that's what we're celebrating um, today. This passage has laid the foundation for our Holy Week, and it's going to be laying the foundation for a new series that we're going to be kicking off next Sunday on a journey of faith. We're all on a journey together, a journey of faith, and Hebrews has laid a foundation for what the next few weeks are going to be looking like for us as we kick off this new series. I'm hoping that you'll join us. I'm glad you're here today, but uh, mark your calendars now. Every Sunday, we're going to be working through the book of Hebrews as we look at what it means to be on a journey of faith um, together. From our passage in Hebrews 1, we see who Jesus is. We know that he is God, and that's how he speaks to us. We know that he is our final hope. We are in the last days. We know that Jesus has the final word. He has spoken to us. We know that Jesus is the final authority. He is the heir and creator of all things. And we have also seen what Jesus did. Jesus came to make purifications for our sins. And that's what we looked at at Good Friday. Jesus' death on the cross paid the penalty for our sins. And we talked about that process of purification. And so that's what Jesus has done for us. And then today we're going to look at where Jesus is right now. Jesus is alive. He is seated at the right hand of his Father. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means for us and then what it means to each of us individually as we celebrate um, Easter together. You know, Palm Sunday, Jesus came into Jerusalem. He was everybody's friend. They were throwing the palms down. Everything was great. We get to Good Friday, and people hated him. He got crucified on, on Good Friday. And, then, and, and we, he celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples on Thursday. He's crucified on Good Friday. And then in the book of Luke, which is where we ended on Good Friday, um, last Friday, we talked about his death and his burial. In Luke chapter 23, at the end of Luke 23, it says, when Jesus had died, when he breathed his last on the cross, they took him down and they wrapped him up in linen shroud. They laid him in a tomb cut in a stone where no one had ever been laid before. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And they returned, and they prepared the spices. And on that Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. And so Good Friday was the day where we looked at Jesus' death and resurrection. And Saturday, yesterday, was a time of quiet reflection as we think about what Jesus had accomplished for us. When you move into uh, verses 53 and 56, it talks about the fact that he, he, was, he was taken down from the cross, he was buried in a tomb, and as you move towards chapter 24, in beginning in verse 1, it says this, "'On the first day of the week, early at dawn, he, "'they went to the tomb, and they took the spices that they had prepared, "'and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb.'" But when they went in they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this behold two men sto- stood before them in dazzling apparel and explained to them the fact that Jesus had been resurrected. And so they were somewhat surprised by this even though they had been told about this earlier Jesus was resurrected. And that's what we're celebrating together this morning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In verse 16 in, in uh, verse 15 and 16 are some disciples that were present when all this is happening, happening, and they're leaving Jerusalem, and they're walking to a town uh, called Emmaus. And as they're walking, they're talking and discussing together everything that had happened. They're talking about Jesus Himself drawing near. He went with them. Their eyes had been kept from recognizing them, and so they're they're walking along this road, and Jesus appears to them, and their eyes are kept from seeing what, who He is. And, and and it was this 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 not being able to recognize Jesus that I want to talk about for a, for a moment. You see, these two disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Hermes. It's about a seven-minute walk, uh, a seven-mile journey. It's about a three-hour walk, and Jesus draws near to them, and they don't recognize him. Their physical experience was not enough to help them recognize who Jesus was. Jesus has been resurrected from the grave, He is walking with them on this path, seven miles, three hours, and they're talking together, and they don't recognize who he is. You know, it's not uncommon for us to be able to be in these environments where there's some physical presence, some things that that we should be able to pick up on, but yet we don't. The physical experience did not help them to know Jesus. In fact, Mary Magdalene did not recognize Jesus when she saw him after the resurrection. None of the disciples recognized Jesus immediately after he appeared. Mary, Peter, the disciples, these two that were on the road to emmaus they, uh, they all saw, they all spoke with, they all heard Jesus, but yet they did not recognize him. And that's a problem for us today. It's easy for us to, to go to church and to love the music, but... Not recognize Jesus. It's easy for us to listen to a sermon and think, wow, that was really interesting, but not know Jesus. It's really easy for us to experience things and yet not see God in it. And this is the reality. Experience alone is not sufficient for helping us to recognize who Jesus is. Experience alone is insufficient for recognizing Jesus and who it is. And you know, the other thing that happens is knowledge alone isn't sufficient for recognizing Jesus, who he is. We can have these experiences. We can have this knowledge and still not recognize who Jesus is. For our two disciples that were walking along the road in verse 17, Jesus says to them, hey, what are you guys talking about? They stood still and looked at him and said, are you kidding me? Do you not know what's happened? This is Jesus asking them what they're talking about. And and they, they look at him and they say, do you not know what happened? One of them named Cleopas answers him and says, are you the only one in all of Jerusalem who does not know what happened here? You know, you got to wonder what Jesus is thinking about. I mean, he's walking with these two. They're talking about Jesus and yet they they don't recognize him. And so you got to be wondering what Jesus is thinking about. You know, our experiences are not enough to inform us knowing about Jesus and who he is. And I love what he does. In verse, uh, in verse 19, he says this. He's, uh, he's talking to them about the questions, and, uh, he, and they don't recognize him. And so he says to them in verse 19, um, what are you talking about? They tell him. And then he says to them, well, what are you talking about? What things are you talking about? And they say to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet. He was mighty indeed in and word and before God and in all the people. And so they go on to explain to him everything that he had done. And so they didn't recognize him. He's asking them what they're talking about. And then he goes on, well, tell me a little bit more. And so they start to tell him the whole story. They are with Jesus telling him about Jesus. I mean, you got you to chuckle about that. I mean, that, there's, there's a sense of humor in that. You know, I read through that and I'm thinking, you know, Jesus has got to be wondering what they're thinking about. You know, these guys go on to explain everything that Jesus did to Jesus. You know, you could have been testing them, but I like to think of it as so a sense of God's humor. It's not until you get to verse 30 in uh, Luke uh, 24 that their eyes are opened. And this is what happens when, when Jesus is eating with them. He's eating with them. He broke, he broke bread. He had returned to Jerusalem with them. They, they're all sitting together. They're eating together. And in, uh, in, verse, 40, in verse 45, it says, He opened their minds ...to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, "...Thus it is written that Christ should suffer... ...and on the third day rise from the dead." And so he is with them. They don't recognize him. It's not until they're eating together... ...that he breaks bread and they recognize who he is. And then at that meal together later... ...he would open their minds to understand the Scripture. And so up until this point... ...they had experienced Jesus. They knew about Jesus. They had walked with Jesus... But yet they did not fully understand what was happening. They did not fully understand who he was until their eyes were opened. When you get down to uh, verse 48, in verse 48 and verse 53, it's talking about, um, uh, they're, they're talking about these things. Jesus is, is encouraging them uh, to study the scripture. And he's, he starts to unpack for them what it means to have a relationship with him. He starts talking about their resurrection. He starts talking about his resurrection and everything that that means to him. And so he explains to them fully what it means to have a relationship with him. And the resurrection is important. We're going to look at that in just a moment, but it's important to understand that until the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, until the Holy Spirit opens our hearts to understand what we're reading, you know, we can go through the motions and not fully understand who Jesus is. And so we want to talk about the resurrection in just a moment. But first, I want to talk about the importance of having a relationship with Christ. And this is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not about an experience. It's not about knowledge. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. You know, we kicked off uh, the beginning of this year. We talked about having an encounter with the Holy Spirit. We prayed that people would experience the Holy Spirit in a fresh new way, that they would be drawn closer to a relationship with God. And over almost 100 people... Stepped out on this journey. They're reading the Bible, they picked up some material, they're in context of relationships with one another, and they're growing in their faith to experience more of the power and presence of Christ. And if you're new at Springbrook, you can jump in on this at any time. If you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, if you want to know more about what it means to be on a spiritual journey, this is a great time to jump in. You can jump in with us at any time. If you want more information you can go to our website you can download uh, some information on our app. But I want to invite Rachel Tarlack to come out for a moment. Rachel Tarlac has been at Springbrook for since you were s- 7. 7 yeah I was a very <laughs> Yeah, so young. You've, been, you've been at Springbrook for quite nice. some time and uh, it was really encouraging for me um, to be able to talk with you as we talked about some of the things that you've been learning. We did. I know that you you've been on our you were on our call uh, a couple weeks ago and so we were talking about some of the things that you have uh, been learning. And um, I know that Mm -hmm. you shared with me that uh, you came to understand your need for a relationship Mm -hmm. with Christ when you were seven. And so you had this experience. Yes. And then you have been involved in church for quite some time. And so, you know, you've been kind of growing in your faith Mm -hmm. and kind of on and off of church for a little bit. But in these last couple of weeks, you've experienced the Holy Spirit in a fresh new way. Mm And so I just wanted you to share for a moment a little bit about what that's looked like for you. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
3: So I will say, um, you know, coming to church from a young age, that doesn't necessarily mean that you always have the greatest relationship with God. I learned that, you know, because I was, I volunteered. I was a part of a Awana. I went to youth group. I did all these things. And then when college came, obviously, it was a little bit harder because you are separated from your original roots. And so I went through college, I came back, and what ended up happening was I realized you're either growing or you're not, and that's in anything. That's not just in a faith-based relationship. And I was unfortunately declining with my relationship with God incredibly rapidly where it left me open to quite a few attacks, both mentally and, and everything from you know, in, in a sense, the, the devil, if, if it's okay if I say that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it, wasn't a, it wasn't okay, but the problem was is I didn't know how to fix it. I did not know how to fix it. I know how to fix something physical if something happens, right? I think everyone knows how to do that. But mental, I was like, what do I do? And so when the counter series came, I was like, this is perfect, I have not been strong in my faith. I have not been strong in a while. I need to get back to it, but I didn't know how to. And so I know you recommended quite a few books. I've read those, and I'm going to be continuing more. Um, I did finish The Divine Mentor, and that was huge for me because it talks about devotionals. It gives examples of how, you know, if you're not actually studying the Word, if you're just reading it, it, it's not going to happen. If you don't actually apply something, what's the point of reading it? You know, at that point, it's just wasted knowledge. And so that that was my dilemma, you know that, and I wasn't doing devotionals. I wasn't actually taking the time to listen to to God and, and give Him that respect to be able to speak into my life. And so that was a that was really the problem, you know. And, yeah. and so we've it's it's journey, right? Nothing is perfect. It is always going to be a journey, um, but things are much better than what it was even couple months ago.
2: Yeah. One of the things that really struck me as you were sharing your story was you were talking about the things that you had experienced and the things that you had been doing. Uh, but it wasn't until you started reading scripture and really started to reflect and meditate on it that you really had a sense of, hey God's got something more for me in this. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we're talking about. You know, you can have these experiences, you can you can have the knowledge, but it is a work of the Holy Spirit that transforms a heart. I know that's before right. we came out Uh, This morning, you were telling me a story about, you know, somebody that had had been studying God's word to share it with others, but had never let it permeate their own hearts. And uh, as a result, um, they had a moral failure. And so, you know, I think sometimes you can be reading your Bible Mm -hmm. and unless you're unless you're letting it change you, you're still at risk of having having some failures. I was really encouraged um, by the fact that you're engaging in the study and and the reflection because that's where the Holy Spirit's at work. Yeah, no, so. it's
3: absolutely huge. And, and again, it's just giving him that quietness. I know life can be very busy, right? You could be doing a million, one different things. We all have those challenges. So for me, it was, well, can I take five minutes? Can I take 10 minutes? Whether yeah. it's the night, whether it's in the morning, you know, I, I take the train. So I'll be on the quiet train sometimes, you know? And so it's not impossible to do, but it is something where you have to make the decision to do it.
2: Yeah, I've also appreciated the way you've relationally looked for connectedness because you're not doing this on your own, no, your, your conversations. That, yeah, <laughs> you need other people around you to encourage you. I want to thank you for coming out and sharing. I'm really looking forward to what God has for you. And so, uh, yeah, so let us know how we can help you take your next step. Absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks Pastor. for sharing, Rachel. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Hebrews 1 talks about the fact that Jesus uh, uh, was, was fully God and, and God speaks to him. Uh, speaks through him. And so when we're reading scripture, um, that's God speaking to us. You know, we can talk to God all day through prayer. Prayers are talking to God, but if we want to listen to God, we, we, we've got to read scripture. And that's an important part of what it means to be on a journey together. And so uh, I just want to encourage you that um, if you have uh, questions about how to engage uh, in the Bible, we've got a How to Study the Bible workshop that Pastor Matt teaches. Uh, We'll help you get connected in that way. Um, But if you need a Bible, I want to encourage you to pick one up. But, you know, the Bible is the foundation for all that we say and do and teach. It really is uh, important to us. And if we can help you to discover more of how to have a relationship with Christ or what it means uh, to grow spiritually, um, please let us know. The passage in Hebrews... Uh, chapter one, in verse three and four, talks about the fact that Jesus made purifications for our sins, and He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. And so, where is Jesus right now? Jesus is in heaven. Jesus is alive, and He is in heaven. And so, He didn't just die; He just didn't disappear. He is, He actually ascended to heaven in front of the disciples. There was over 500 witnesses that saw Jesus come to life. There's, there's witnesses that were with him that saw him, and there's extemporaneous writings that all point to the fact that Jesus uh, was, was alive after his death. And then he's ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of his Father right now. Jesus is alive, and that's something that we should be encouraged by. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15 it's a fa- it, the fact is that Jesus has been raised from the grave. He has been raised from the dead. He is the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all are made alive. And so we all are going to face death because of the sin that has entered into the world. But the good news is this, that through Christ that we can all be made alive. We too are going to be resurrected. In Revelation 3.21, Jesus says that the one who conquers, the one whose faith is lived out to the very end, he has the assurance of being able to be with him in his presence in heaven. To the one who conquers, I'm going to grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. And so Jesus is alive right now. He is seated at the right hand of his father. And we have the promise of that same new life, And so we have that assurance to look forward to. Jesus is alive. And so what the resurrection means for us is that everything that he said was true and we can trust him. And that's the hope and the assurance that we have. His resurrection means many things to us. The fact that he was resurrected and is sitting at the right hand of the Father is important to us. It means many things. It means that the the saving work of Christ is finished. You know, Jesus came as a baby, He was born in a manger. He lived a life for 33 years. He died. He was resurrected. And he is—he was resurrected, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, proving that his work is done. In John 19, 30, when Jesus had received that sour wine when he died, he said, it is finished. His work is finished. There's nothing else that he needs to do to help other people to have a relationship with Christ. He's not coming back for a second chance. He's waiting for us, to come to him, or he's going to come get us. There's this point where we're either going to die and go meet him, or he's going to come while we're all sitting here, and we're going to meet. Either way, he's going to wait for us. He's going to come and get us soon, and so the work of Christ on the cross is finished, and his resurrection proves that. Jesus being seated on the throne right now means that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7, Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. The fact that Jesus was resurrected, the fact that he is sitting on the, on the, at the right hand of the Father right now is an assurance that we now have the Holy Spirit. We are in the last days. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we have the Holy Spirit working in and through us right now to enable us to accomplish the God, the plans that God has for us. He is seated on the throne right now, and it it marks the passing, his passing, the work that he was doing to us, to his followers. In John 17, Jesus is praying to his father, and he says this, and for my sake I consecrate myself, that they may be sanctified in truth. I'm giving myself up so that they might come to know that what I'm saying is true. And so he prays for our sanctification that we would continue to grow in faith. But then he says, I'm not asking for them only. I'm not just praying for them, but I'm praying for everyone who will believe in me through their word. And so Jesus has passed on his mission to us to to help others to understand how to have a relationship with him. Jesus' work is finished in the sense that we can now be saved. But who will be saved is a work that is being done right now through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the body of Christ as we share our faith with others. And so his being seated on the throne right now means that his work is finished. It's a, it means that it's a work that he's passed on to us and we're dependent on the Holy Spirit working in us to accomplish his plans. Jesus being seated on the throne right now means that we have the assurance of a heavenly home. Where is Jesus? He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. This world is not our home. We have a heavenly home waiting for us. During the last supper, the disciples were troubled when they heard that Jesus is going to be leaving. He says, don't be troubled. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you that before I go to prepare a place for you? And if I do go and prepare a place for you, will I come again and take you to myself that you may be where I am also? He's saying, "I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you where I am. You can also be now. The fact that he was resurrected, the fact that he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven right now means that we have that same assurance, and so we can know where we're going. You know, the resurrection means many things. For Jesus to be seated at the right hand of his Father right now has many things that it means to us. But let me ask you this. What does it mean to you? You know, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean for you? Going to church? being good, fearing God. You know, there's nothing that we can do to earn our way into heaven. Those are, things that, are the things that we try to do in our own strength. The assurance of having a relationship with Christ and having the assurance of being able to go to heaven is, is nothing more than a gift. It's a gift that God gives to us. We're saved by grace through faith alone, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so we have the same assurance of being able to spend eternity in heaven because that's where Christ is. It's, it's given to us as a work of the Holy Spirit in us. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You know, the reality that Jesus has come back to life, the reality that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, means everything to us. There is no other name under heaven which men must be saved. You know, Jesus left heaven, he came to earth in the form of a baby fully human, fully God. He was born, he lived, he died, and he came back to life. And he left earth, and he is now returned to heaven. That's where he's sitting. He came to give us life now. He came to give us the promise of life with him later, and he came to give us the promise of new life today. You know, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy, but Jesus came so that we can have life and have it to the full. You know, as Rachel was sharing her story, she was talking about some of the things that were pulling her back. She used the, she used the term uh, Satan. You know, there's, there's, a, there's somebody in this world that doesn't want you to grow in your faith. In fact, the Bible says that Satan is the Lord of this world. His powers that work in us. There's, he's trying to trip us up. He doesn't want people to make faith commitments. There is no battle between good and evil because when Jesus overcame death on the cross, he defeated Satan. But the reality is that there's still a battle for us. And so you might be feeling this morning like, wow, you might be tired, you might be worn out. Jesus came to give you new life today. He came to give us the assurance of heaven, and he came to give us the assurance of new life. John writes in the book of John, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming When all who are in the tombs will hear this voice and will come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And to those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. In other words, Jesus is going to come back and every knee will will bow and every tongue will confess. Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead. He came the first time to seek and save that which was lost. He's returning a second time to judge the living and the dead. And every one of us is going to have to respond. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm going to come in and eat with him, and he's going to eat with me. Now, there's a sense that sometimes when we, if you've ever heard this passage before, there's a sense that Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, and you need to let him in. And that's not what this verse is re- referring to. We do need to let Jesus into our hearts. The Spirit of God is external in the life of somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Christ, And we have to ask him to come into our life. He needs to open our eyes like he did for those early disciples. He needs to open our eyes so that we can understand scripture, so that we can read it and understand it and how to apply it. And so it's a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that enables us to come into faith and to grow in faith. You know, no one comes to the Son unless the Spirit of God draws him. And so we're very much dependent on the Spirit of God to draw us into a relationship with himself. But the passage that this is referring to, Jesus is speaking to the church in Laodicea. He's speaking to the church, and the angel of the church in Laodicea, he writes these words to the church, to the faithful and true witnesses. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. You are neither hot nor cold. So because you are lukewarm and you're neither hot nor cold, I spit you out of my mouth. And then in verse 20 is where he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm going to come in and eat with him and he's going to eat with me. And so Jesus is on the outside of this church trying to look in, trying to figure out how he can come into a church. How many churches today just aren't letting Jesus in? I mean, we can, we can be doing, we can be doing church things. We can do, be, we can be doing ministry things. We can, we can, we can be having these great experiences. We can have all this knowledge, but unless the spirit of God is present in our lives, everything that we're doing is for naught. It's critical that we all step back and ask, where's God in my life? And so just as Jesus was with those disciples, and, he, and they were with him, they was talking with him, they didn't recognize him until their eyes were opened. It's my prayer for each of us this morning that as we move through this Easter holiday that we would come to understand who Jesus is and what that means for us. The implications are eternal. I love Easter. I love celebrating with family. But I want you to make sure that you leave here today understanding the importance of what it means to have a relationship with Christ. And if you want to know more about that, we would love the opportunity to help you take that step. Having a relationship with Christ is nothing more than acknowledging your sin before a holy God. It's saying, hey, I am messed up. I am imperfect. And, and, and I'm trusting that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And, and his resurrection proved it. And when he comes back, I know I'm going to spend an assurance with him. That's what it means to be a Christ follower a Christian. Being a Christian is not somebody that just goes to church. I grew up, I was 33 years old before I understood what it meant to cross the line of faith. I thought going to church was was what made me a Christian, and it's not. It's about understanding how to have a relationship with Christ. And even from a pastoral perspective, you know, as I'm constantly trying to work on growing in my faith, it's not something that you just do once, but it's a continual journey that we're on together. You know, this past two years has been difficult. For many, it's been difficult for our ministry. There's many churches that are not coming back, coming off of COVID right now. In fact, they're estimating right now that one-third of the churches that were in existence prior to COVID are struggling right now and may not come back. The church is losing its way. The church is in trouble. And it's in trouble because Jesus is not the foundation of it. And so I'm praying when God looks at our church, when he looks at that church like he looked at Laodicea, that he won't find us lukewarm. I'm hoping that when he looks into our church, he'll see people that understand what it means to have the Holy Spirit, that have a genuine relationship with Christ, because that's ultimately what's important. People around the world are celebrating the resurrection of Christ today because it's important and because of its implications. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that if we can help you understand how to have a relationship with Christ, If you're interested in in making a faith commitment or if you have questions about that, that welcome slip on your chair is available for you this morning. So just put your name on there, put some contact information. And if you want to understand more about what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to have a relationship with Christ, we really would love the opportunity to talk with you. And then next Sunday, we're kicking off a series called Journey of Faith. And we're going to look at what does it mean to be on a journey together as we look through and study through um, the book of Hebrews. And so I'm hoping you'll come back as we kick that series off next week. If you're watching with us online right now and you have questions about our relationship with Christ or maybe you want to make, uh, you want to make a faith commitment today, our online hosts are available. They would love the opportunity to talk with you. And if you're with us today in person, you know, please take a moment to fill out that connection card. Let us know how we can help you. We are so glad that you're here with us together this morning as we celebrate what Easter is, what it means to us. I'm looking forward to all that God has for us. If you have any questions, please let us know. Thank you for being with us here today. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us. And I thank you for the hope that we do have in Christ. God, I thank you for Easter. I thank you for the Easter celebrations and for what it means for us you know, to come together with our families and to be able to celebrate um, together. I thank you for um, the gift of children and for what that means. I also recognize that today can be a difficult day for many and maybe have lost loved ones. Uh, we've got brothers and sisters in Christ right now that are trying to figure out how to do ministry in the midst of a war. Uh, we've got brothers and sisters in Christ that are trying to figure out how to do ministry in the midst of persecution. And so, God, we are just, we're blessed uh, to be able to be here today. And uh, where we're, we have the comforts of being able to uh, have a building that's, that's heated or air-conditioned. And, God, you've just, you provided for us. And help us not to be complacent about those things. God, help us not to be lukewarm in our faith. Uh, But God, to just have a sense of your spirit strengthening us and building us. And we look forward to all that you have for us. We commend our upcoming series to you in Hebrews. And we look forward to that as well, that you would continue to grow us in our faith as we encourage one another. We lift this day up to you. It's for you. And uh, we just pray that you're glorified by it. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to thank you for being with us here this morning. I hope you come back with us next week as we kick off that new week in Hebrews. Uh, If you'd stand with us, let's sing this last song together.
1: you for worshiping with us. Thank you for celebrating our risen King together with us this morning. Go now in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to love and serve the Lord. Have a blessed week in Him.